to the latest episode of Pinnacles NFL Insights. I'm your host, Eric Eager from Sumer Sports, uh, host of the Sumer Sports Show with Thomas Dimitrov, alongside PFF data scientist Ben Brown, Ben, a frequent uh, member of the PFF forecast uh, and one of their leaders in the data science space. We're here to help guide you through the world of the NFL with week-to-week reflections and projections here for Pinnacle Sports. Ben, week seven. How did it go? Week seven, I think we had some good bets. Um, Gus Edwards, that was a a real uh, Gus bust for us. Um, The Ravens, you know, not covering the spread was also good because I think we talked uh, about the Browns uh, on a few shows here. But let's reflect on week seven. How did it go for you? Uh, What were the surprises? What were the things that we expected to have happen that happened? Yeah, definitely. So I would say starting off in that first Sunday morning slate, basically one Eastern time frame, it was rough, right? I mean, we had, uh, you know, the Colts basically in our in a pick contest or two, um, and, and they didn't come through whatsoever. But I do think that, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals getting home, uh, my like stubbornness and buying into them as still being somewhat of a legitimate contender in the AFC, you know, I think is finally coming to fruition a little bit. I have to talk about them every single podcast. I'm definitely going to get it in early and often with the Bengals as well. But it was, I would say, I would say hit or miss through the first slate, but then the second slate, you know, came through your Kansas City Chiefs, I would say, uh, in a lot of ways, blew the doors off of a San Francisco 49ers team that I think is, uh, you know, very much overrated still from even a betting market perspective. And then uh, the New York Jets as well kind of got through uh, a little bit of a slugfest with the Denver Broncos. So all profitable spots from that perspective, I do think, you know, props specifically, you know, continue to come home as well. So I think, you know, week seven overall, uh, you know, one of the, one of the better, if not the best betting week from uh, an NFL perspective so far from my, from my personal viewpoint. How was it? How was it for you? I mean, we had to make, you know, pretty good money on that Kansas City Chiefs blowout victory, right? Like, there, there's no question about it. So, yeah, I mean, I took some San Francisco early when it was three and a half. It closed one. So, of course, I was going to lay a little bit uh, on the Chiefs later on. Um, I continue to bet Marquez Valdez Scantling uh, to score a touchdown. And my guy had over 100 yards, but still, still has not gotten through. Uh, but, but one day it'll happen. One day it'll happen for MBS. But what we did have, Ben, is we had two really big upsets, right? Green Bay, Tampa, two of the um, you know four most likely teams to win the Super Bowl per Pinnacle Sports. Um, you know, at the beginning of the season, you know the Packers go to Washington to play the Commanders. Actually, Aaron Rodgers is now three and four all time against that franchise. The Commanders closed plus one sixty five. It actually opened a little bit higher than that. the The Commanders took sharp money. They end up winning that game outright against the Packers, twenty three twenty one. Uh, and then you had the, the Carolina Panthers. I was on a work trip with a, a few people at Stumer Sports. We were calculating like sort of how, you know, how much, you know, value the 49ers dumped to the Panthers in that McCaffrey trade. Well, the Panthers go with a former XFL quarterback, Philip Walker, uh, highest graded quarterback in week seven. They close this plus 540 against the Bucs. They win that game, not only win the game outright, but beat the hell out of the Bucs, right. uh, you know, by multiple scores. The really game that, was only close for a little bit. Um, it's the first time Aaron Rodgers has had a losing record through seven games since he became the starter in 08. The, the years he had bad records, you know, 2018 comes to mind. Um, it, they faded at the at the end of the season right. rather than starting out poorly. Um, the only other time they kind of started this way was when Rodgers and the Packers started four and six in 2016 and then, of course, ran the table um, it, it, and made it all the way to the NFC title game. So, um, you know, some surprises here. When when we look at these outright markets, though, Ben, you know, when we look at the, the significant changes, 
from the preseason. The Eagles were, were close to five to one. Now you're looking at the second favorites at plus 500. Uh, the Ravens, you know, down a little bit from 23 to one to about 18 to one. Um, and now our hometown Minnesota Vikings, uh, when you look at them, they're 44 to one to start the season. Now they're 16 to one at five and one third best record in the conference. Um, you know, they're a team that I think, man, they, you know, it, they're not, they're, they're, you know, middle of the middle of the pack in, in football outsiders DVOA, but the schedule doesn't get all that much harder for them, Ben. Right. Do you think that they have a chance uh, to get into sort of this basin of teams that can that can be a problem in the NFC? Yeah, definitely. So, uh, Pinnacle Sports basically has them as the second shortest odds to win the NFC Championship right now at plus 651. I think the Eagles, pretty heavy favorites at like plus 199, plus 200 or whatever. Uh, but yeah, I think that if you are taking... Uh, you know, a shot at a team in the NFC that isn't the Philadelphia Eagles, the Minnesota Vikings make a ton of sense. They're, they're, they're very clearly, I would say, running away with the NFC North division. I think that they're very much in line for, you know, a two or a three seed in the NFC. So they're not going to face the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, until that NFC championship game. Uh, and they have shown at least, you know, somewhat somewhat big from a luck perspective, but uh, have actually performed probably above expectation. These one score games that they were so bad in last year. So even though they haven't been, you know, great from an EPA perspective, from a from, you know, from a from a PFF grading perspective, basically middle of the pack, haven't really covered. I think they're two and four against the spread right now, too. But I think they are, you know, uh, very much for real. I think defensively, you know, if, if they can kind of at least bring back a little bit from, you know, the secondary unit, get Harrison Smith back in the fold a little bit more. I do think that they have enough veteran presence to kind of alleviate some of the the difficulties that they've had early on the season. If they do that, I think they very much have, you know, one of the best offenses in the NFC. And I think if they do that, kind of fold both things together, they are, you know, I would say very much contenders in the NFC. So I, I don't hate it. I know you are maybe a little bit, uh, you know, less bullish on their long-term outlook in me just based on some of the, you know, the metrics and things that you're looking into. But, uh, you know, I think the Vikings, you know, as much as I don't really want to get as high on them as, you know, any other team, but it's just based on the fandom that I have with them. But, uh, you know, I think this could very much be, you know, the year where they at least make a deep playoff run in the NFC. Yeah, to your point, minus 653 at Pinnacle to win the NFC North, Um, you know, I they were, you know, as of like week two or three plus one forty. That was something that we did grab uh, yeah. as part of our betting group, um, so that you know we we have that in our pocket, which is nice. Um, you know, PFF, you know, has them kind of in that eight, you know, eighty percentile or so uh, to win the NFC North, still giving a little bit of respect to Green Bay, even though I, I they frankly have not warranted it so far. Right. When I look at the at this futures market, when I look at you know division odds, the one that kind of stands out to me, Ben. It's the NFC West because, you know, obviously the Niners, when you when you grade the players, they're the best team and they're plus 141. And I think that that, you know, they're rightfully the favorite. When you look at the Rams, the Rams have some good players, um, but I don't think that they're putting it all together this year. Uh, and and they're off to a bad start. They don't have a great offensive line. Um, they lost Von Miller, obviously. And, and I think that that's hurt their defense. The long shot that I kind of like, is the Seattle Seahawks at plus 353. And and I know they lost DK Metcalf. That hurts them. Geno Smith's been wonderful. They can move the football two different ways. They can move the football with the rhythm passing game with Geno Smith. They can move the ball with Kenneth Walker running the ball. And they're and they, you know, when you look at their draft, Abraham Lucas, uh, Charles Cross, Kenneth Walker, Tarek Woolen, 
um, you know, Kobe Bryant, Mamba mentality. Um, they they're having a 2017 Saints kind of draft, right. and you know, at, at almost you know at seven to two or so, I think that they're a good bet to win that division. Yeah, I mean, I I don't hate it. I thought you were going to go with Arizona for a second there. My one qualm, basically, you know, with Seattle specifically, the PFF, uh, you know, season long simulation is probably just a little bit lower on them than the betting market. Um, but I I I I honestly don't hate it as well. You know, Geno Smith. Top five PFF passing quarterback has done it. I would say in a lot of the right metrics from a clean pocket has been, you know, much better than expected. But like you said, uh, they very much, I would say, kind of have the pieces in place to carry this for both offensively and defensively. I do think the DK Metcalf injury, you know, specifically very much not as bad as kind of how we first projected it out to be on, you know, uh, last Sunday in week seven. So I think even if he doesn't play in week eight, you know, it, it's not going to be this month long type time frame. And, you know, they still have playmakers outside of DK Metcalf. We saw Tyler Lockett, I would say flash a little bit in that week seven matchup as well. So I, I like it. You know, I think Seattle, um, very much a team that I was lower on heading into the season. I did not expect a whole lot from Geno Smith, but I do think that, you know, when evaluating where they are at currently, uh, I think the, 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 the correct approach is to say that they probably are only going to improve throughout the rest of the season. If they do that, uh, they very much have a chance to, uh, kind of shock the world and pull off this, you know, pull off a division win here and kind of, you know, get into the playoffs. And I, I, I think, like you said, it's 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 a pretty good bet i would say to make right now i do think it's one of the you know best bets that you can make from a division standpoint yeah the other one that's interesting is you look at the afc south the titans are minus 151 they just caught off of a sweep of the colts the colts are at plus 312 the houston texans are about 16 to 1 the team i like there is the jaguars at plus 397 the jaguars um, are the only team in that division that has a positive point differential um, they seem to be snake bitten every single year, independent of the coach in one score games. I do think that that regresses. I, I was just on a podcast with my uh, friend, you know, Seren Petro from AM810 in Kansas City and Jeff Judea of the NFL Network. And I asked them each to name six Tennessee Titans and neither one could nice. uh, in, in off the top of their head. I think that the Titans are going to fall off a little bit. I think the Jaguars are going to come up and snipe them a little bit. Uh, easier schedule, so on and so forth. They start in Denver. Um, th- this Sunday in a game we'll talk about in London. But uh, I-, I think the Jaguars are another team that could really give, uh, you know, their, uh, you know, their division opponents uh, some 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 fits here. And, and I, that's where I'm going to get started here. We'll, we'll talk about the Thursday night game in a second. But let's talk about the London game here with with, you know, the, the Denver Broncos, you know, Russell Wilson. Uh, my God, how does Tim Tebow uh become the the second cringiest person that's ever played quarterback for that team but russell wilson coming off an injury doing high knees and butt kicks on the uh, uh on the flight over um you know the the jaguars are two and a half point favorites uh minus 133 on the money line this is basically a home game for them they, they they're kind of a, a jags a, J, a jags london adjacent team ben what do you think about this game total on the game 39 and a half yeah, I mean, I think if I'm playing one spot, it's it's on the total. And I do think, you know, over 39 and a half points, obviously both defenses have been, uh, you know, I would say very, uh, very good, I would say. But there are definitely some cracks, I would say, forming a little bit. I think that the, the Broncos specifically probably have outperformed expectations without Wayne Grayer along that defensive front four. Still really good from a pressure perspective with Brandon Browning, but... He's doubtful, right? And I do think that, you know, given the injury situation uh, for the Denver Broncos, you know, especially in their secondary and 
and that front four there, they're going to probably struggle, I would say, to, you know, get pressure on uh, Trevor Lawrence. I also think they're going to struggle to slow down some of the receiving options that the Jaguars have as well. Uh, and, and if that happens, they're going to be playing from behind. We are going to need to see, you know, Russell Wilson have uh, a much better performance offensively than what he's shown so far here in Denver. But I, I, I think that even with, you know, a few right breaks where we do maybe get, you know, a, a high leverage type turnover in the right situation, 39 and a half seems like way too low of a score. So um, I, I'm going with the over in this particular one. I do think they were playing a spread. Uh, you know, you, you probably miss the best of the Denver Broncos right now. I do think that once we get, you know, further confirmation on if Russell Wilson's actually going to be playing this in this game. That's when you could maybe uh, make a play on the spread. But uh, I think it's over 39 and a half or bust. And I think that's probably the only spot that I'm really going to be on outside of a few player props coming up here for London's game on Sunday. Yeah, I, I'll take the Jaguars. I'll lay the minus 133. Yeah. I I think that the Broncos are very inept at head coach. I think they're inept at quarterback relative to the Jags. Um, I think defensively, you know, the difference maybe isn't as big. I know, you know, Devin Lloyd and Trayvon Walker started out hot. They're not quite as good anymore. Um, but I'll, I'll take the Jaguars. I'll lay the I'll lay it there. Um, speaking of laying it, okay, well, let's go back to Thursday. The the Tampa Bay Bucks opened as favorites in and Thursday night football against the Ravens. The Ravens took some money, got all the way out to like minus 120 or so. Now the Bucks are getting money. Um, all the way out to, you know, minus 125 for Tampa, minus one at minus 117 on Pinnacle. Total on the game, 45 and a half. And this is where I want to focus. I think the under in this game, this is too high. Um, the Bucks can't move the football. They're stubborn because they want to run the football on early downs to Leonard Fournette, who looks about as in shape as I am. Um, and, and the Ravens want to run the football as well. But they've become, you know, less and less effective as an offense as the season has gone on. Bucks defense is still good. Ravens defense is still okay. I think I like under 45 and a half tomorrow night, Ben. Yeah, I can't, I cannot agree with you. I got to push back a little bit on that. I think, you know, specifically, uh, you know, the Baltimore Ravens defense, we have them 30th overall PFS, you know, power ranking metric for their defense. I think they're secondary as well. Really bad Marlon Humphrey uh, questionable. They have allowed, you know, a number of big chunk plays in the passing game as well. So I think that, uh, you know, if I was playing the spot, I'd probably be on the over 45, over 45 and a half here right now. Uh, I think, you know, as well, Tampa Bay side of things, uh, you know, no Sean Murphy Buntley, no Antoine Winfield Jr. either with the concussion situation. So we're going to be looking at, you know, the, the second and third string cornerback options uh, and secondary options for this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. So I think if, if, if Tampa Bay wants to keep pace with, uh, the Baltimore Ravens, they're going to have to do it offensively. I think they finally do show out a little bit in that regard. So uh, I think we might have to have like a friendly wager on this one or something. Yeah, I think we have over to, we 45 have is, is the spot here. I don't know for sure. So we're going to find well, out. I think barbecue, barbecue is on the loser in this one. I know right. how much you love barbecue. And uh, as one of your best friends, I feel like I've uh, I've I've acclimated to that to that taste as well um the, it, to be fair over 45 and a half is minus 114 on pinnacle under is plus 101 you could probably get a 46 somewhere if you like the under with me okay let's move on to another game um you know this one uh, you know look no one no one can hurt me about detroit as much as detroit has uh themselves but uh the the motor city kitties they're at home they're getting three and a half 
um, against the Miami Dolphins, plus 161 on the money line total. I gained 51, um, despite the fact that both games that the Lions have played in the last three weeks have gone basically under. Um, I, I'm going to do it again. I, I like Detroit getting three and a half. And, and uh, you know, I know Tua is coming back from an injury, looked a little sloppy. Um, I know that, you know, only Jeffrey Akuda you know, has a pulse on that team. Uh, in the secondary for Detroit and, and, you know, uh, Jalen Waddle and Tyree kill are pretty good. I know Jared Goff has had some stinkers, but I think Detroit is better than being a three and a half point road or sorry, home underdog to the dolphins. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, I'm, I don't want to quit the restore the roar this early on, I guess. And I do think that if the, you know, the injury situation breaks correctly for Detroit, if Amon Ross St. Brown is back in the fold, you know, if TJ Hawkinson as well, both those guys questionable, if they're in here, uh, I think the lions are going to cover and I think they're probably live a little bit uh, on the money line as well. So I think we see, you know, I, I'm not going to play anything on the spread. I do think the lions are probably going to have to win a little bit of a shootout if that game, if they do end up covering, but um, you know, I think they have the pieces in place if those guys are healthy to actually, uh, you, you know, move the football against the Miami Dolphins defense that I also think is a little bit banged up. So uh, I'm with you. I, I I would ride this one with you. I did. I did talk about this on, uh, you know, a few other podcasts that it went on today. But this is one of my, you know, spots, I would say, to probably buy low on the Detroit Lions. So give me plus three and a half at home as well. I think they're going to get it done here on Sunday for Dan Campbell and his job, I would say. Yeah, perfect. Okay, let's move to the AFC or NFC West. I'm sorry. Uh, two teams I talked about briefly when we talked about favorite uh, uh, futures. Um, the San Francisco 49ers go to LA, a team that they've kind of owned other than the NFC title game last year for a while. They're laying a point. This this money has gone towards the Niners. The Rams were favored for a little bit there. But, you know, you look at the Niners coming off of two bad losses, one loss to the Falcons on the road, and then a home loss to the, uh, you know, to the Kansas City Chiefs, the Rams coming off of a bye total on the game, 43 and a half. What do you think about this game, Ben? Yeah, I mean, honestly, two teams that I just don't really enjoy, Ben. And I do think the, I do think the over 43 is probably the correct spot in this particular match, but I don't really have a strong opinion on uh, the spreader total. But I do think that if we, you know, see this game go down to a one possession type game, uh, I think the over 43 will have already fallen uh, pretty quickly and pretty easily, especially given, you know, the, the lack of resistance that resistance that the San Francisco 49ers defense showed against Kansas City Chiefs. So I'm, I, I'm taking the over 43. I don't really have a strong opinion on the spread. I would be interested in hearing, you know, if, if there's a side that you like in this match, because for me, uh, these are two teams that I think are, you know, in some ways still overvalued by the betting market and picking a, picking one side or the other in this particular match was just a spot that, you know, I, I don't really want to get involved in, but I'm curious if you have a, you know, a, a strong lean one way or the other. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go here and, and take the Niners. I think the Niners are the better team. Um, I think they match up a lot better uh, than, than the, with the Rams than most teams do. Um, there are also, you know, you're, you're getting another week of McCaffrey. You're getting another week of health right. of Trent Williams, um, you know, and so on. And I just don't think that the Rams can exploit where the Niners are weak defensively, which is, if anywhere, at corner. You know, the right. the, the East ran Marquez Valdez-Scanling at Javarius Ward. They ran, you know, McCole um, Hardman at the defensive ends. Like, I just don't think the Rams have anywhere close to that explosiveness after you get past Cooper Cup. And we saw in that Monday night game in San Fran a couple of weeks ago that Cooper Cup could catch all the balls in the world. But uh, if you can't protect your quarterback in Stafford and you can't, 
uh, you know, do anything on the ground. I know we don't like running as much as, you know, the most people, but if you can't protect your quarterback, um, it's going to be tough. So I like the Niners here. Um, and do you think there's something there with the, the McVay versus, uh, Kyle Shanahan matchup from like those two that from like that particular angle, do you think there's something there from like a handicapping perspective? Or do you think that's, I think there is like, so, so Raheem Morris and prior to him, Brandon Staley like to, you know, rotate their safeties, right? So uh, Dallas is doing it the most in the NFL this year. Last the last two years, Rams were the team that rotated their safeties the most. But when they played the Niners, they rotated their safeties about half as much. And that's because the Niners do so much motion and stuff like that, that um, the Rams are sort of out of sorts on defense. So I think that that's one of them. And then I also just think at the line of scrimmage, the 49ers defensively are just so much better than the Rams are offensively, even at their best. And the Rams are not their best with all those injuries. So I do think it's a styles make fight situation there. And I, and I do think it, it moves to the side of the Niners there. Okay. Let's do one more. The battle of Ohio, Cincinnati laying three and a half going on the road to Cleveland. Um, look, I've never been to Cleveland. I live in Cincinnati. I don't know if I'm ever going to make that trip. Um, Joe Burrow, you remember uh, famously in his second start covered six and a half on Thursday night football for a bad Bengals team against a good Browns team. Things have changed now, Ben, with with the Bengals laying more than a field goal on the highway against the Browns. What do you think of this game? Yeah, I'm still going. I'm going with the Bengals, right? I think they're, you know, definitely getting healthier, trending in the right direction offensively. Have started to get some of those chunk, explosive type plays that they relied on last year. And, and I think, you know, the Browns are, are are maybe a little bit in a free fall, somewhat from their injury perspective, but also the fact that they're, you know, kind of clinging to hope waiting for this Deshaun Watson situation to kind of get to its final destination in week 12. But uh, I think that they're probably going to be out of the running for every single sort of, you know, postseason activity that they're potentially trying to get into by the time Deshaun Watson gets back. And I think that, you know, a, a big reason for that is going to be this loss here on Monday night. So I think the Bengals roll. I, I just haven't seen too much, you know, the, the Browns, I would say in some ways got through the back door against the Ravens team that kind of seems to be melting down. And I think that, you know, the Ravens in a lot of situations kind of try to give that game to the Cleveland Browns in week seven. They didn't actually end up, you know, taking advantage of it. But uh, I think that's more of a reflection of a, a, you know, a Baltimore Ravens team that I'm not all that high on than actually the Browns being any sort of any, any good right now. So uh, give me the, give me, give me the Bengals and the points here. I think minus three and a half. Uh, you know, I would probably play it up to four or more. I do have a little bit, I would say, you know, on minus three early in the week. So, you know, that number is obviously not going to be available or, or even an option coming up here. But um, I, I think it's still the Bengals are bust at this point in time. Ben Brown, somebody who I know per, yeah, personally sharp moving markets are moving with, you know, making the right side of a bet. Uh, and then bragging about it later in the week. You, got, to, you love to see to, that. To. <laughs> you love to see that. Now we're done with the NFL. Let's move on to college football here. Um, just as we finish the show, um, last week's games in college football, right? You, you had, you know, uh, you know, you have Jimbo Fisher in Texas A&M, you know, not getting the job done. You have Tennessee closing at almost three to one, beating Alabama a couple weeks ago in a great game. That's done a lot to the college football playoff markets where Ohio State, you know, um, you know, beating Iowa handily. Uh, Plus 180 in week seven. Now, uh, now two weeks later, our, our next show, they're plus 180 still. Georgia making a little bit of a move, plus 220, plus 180. They really have not been challenged yet this year. Alabama, though, you're, you're, you're getting longer odds for them, plus 240, out to plus 340. They basically need to win 
uh, the SEC title game, I think, to make the college football playoff this year. And then Clemson, you know, after a struggle uh, of it uh, last week against Syracuse, uh, plus 12 to one two weeks ago, now plus 14 to one. Tennessee now is tied with Clemson at plus 14 to one um, plus plus 1400. I'm sorry. You know, when I look at this, I still think Alabama is a value, right? Because Alabama, we saw them last year have bad loss middle of the season. You move all the way up, get to the SEC title game, blow out Georgia, you know, blow out Cincinnati. And then I think if Jamison Williams plays the whole college football championship game, they probably beat Georgia. Um, right. So that to me is the only value on the board. I think no one else really has a chance. And I think at Ohio State or Georgia at, you know, plus 180, you're not getting great value. What do you think, Ben? Do you think Alabama is the only value on the board? I don't, I don't hear to play on Clemson because I do think that Clemson is going to end up in the college football, football playoff when it's all said and done. So at their current, uh, you know, plus 1400 type number, I think it gives you some options where if they do get into the college football playoff, you know, they might only be like a three point dog, you know, in that first matchup if they obviously get the four seed and they're, you know, facing off against. Uh, you know, a Georgia team or something, maybe they're close to a touchdown differential or seven and a half. But I still think there's ways to play that at with a plus 1400 ticket where, uh, you know, if the Clemson Tigers get there, which I very much think they're going to, uh, you definitely have some optionality with that. And if you want to hedge a little bit, if you want to maybe just let it ride in that semifinal match, but then see what happens if they can get the victory. Uh, you're obviously sitting pretty good in that championship game you know, to, to, to win it all basically. So I, I think it's kind of Clemson or bust given the current number right now. I think PFF simulation has them, uh, you know, getting into the playoff, you know, 68% of the time. So, uh, you know, I, I think there's quite a bit of value once they get there, uh, you know, some options basically for how you can actually play it after that. Yeah, very much so. Okay. Let's, uh, let's talk briefly about some games um, because, uh, you know, we, we've Have given to. out some winners on this in, in college football. I'm going to start with my alma mater, actually, a team that has let me down repeatedly, uh, but did cover the last time I watched them play, which was against Purdue two weeks ago. Um, Nebraska is getting seven and a half minus 112 against Illinois. Illinois has had a very impressive season. Brett Bielema is doing fantastic work, but laying seven and a half in Lincoln, I just think that's a bridge too far so i'm going to go ahead and take nebraska plus seven and a half and if you want me to get another one this is some information i've gotten this number has gone from seven and a half to six and a half eastern michigan we're going to go back to that well i think toledo's quarterback is injured um so uh you're you know you could have gotten seven and a half early in the week i still think six and a half is a value to uh eastern michigan at home against toledo maction uh go ahead and take eastern michigan ben what game do you like yeah, I mean, you stole my thunder, basically. I know, you know, one of our first podcasts on the Pinnacle Network, basically, uh, we did we did offer Eastern Michigan up. They did basically run away with that game. Uh, and I'm going back to the wall. If you don't have a plus seven and a half ticket, like, you know, Eric and I already do. Uh, I think the money line is the correct play at plus six and a half. Or, you know, instead of playing plus six and a half at like the plus 210, plus 200 range for Eastern Michigan. Uh, that's a spot that I definitely like. And, and, and a team that we faded last week, uh, and very much kind of kicked us in the teeth was San Diego State. So I think at plus eight and a half, facing off against Fres- Fresno State and, you know, the very late window on Saturday night, uh, I think that's going to be a pretty good sweat. So I like San Diego State both, you know, plus eight and a half, plus 260 on the money line uh, against Fresno State. I think they are in some ways 
the better team. And I think if they can kind of hold strong defensively, uh, they're going to cover that number and maybe even have a chance to win outright at the end. So I like that game. One more, uh, I have to fade Notre Dame still. So I do think Syracuse minus two and a half kind of flashed a little bit last week. I do still think they have, you know, very much the defense that is going to give Notre Dame uh, fits offensively. And I think if they do that, uh, you know, they should easily win this game by a touchdown or more, in my opinion. Very much so. And, and, you know, for, for all of you that are, you know, and Canada now has pinnacle sports. So um, go ahead and pinnacle sports uh, for your, not only NFL odds, which you spend the majority of the show on, but the bevy of offerings they have for college football is truly unparalleled. Um, and, and again, you know, the sharpest lines out there as well. So, right. um, you know, that, that, you know, college football Saturdays to me are, are, are fun and there are, there are opportunities to be had everywhere. Uh, and hopefully uh, through this podcast, you can get, uh, get in on the action a little bit. Well, that was the NFL insights podcast for another week at, you know, go, go and at pinnacle podcast on all the platforms, uh, Twitter, et cetera, um, to follow and keep up to date on all of pinnacle's latest shows, including the EPL insights with Garrett Wheeler and Jake. Osborne and and delving into the data behind the world of Premier League soccer. Uh, I've been having a really fun time watching the soccer documentary about the the Welsh team that was bought by Ryan Reynolds. So uh, I might even get the itch of bets of soccer this week. Um, Please keep across Pinnacle.com's page for the latest betting insight, including Mark Taylor's Game of the Week, Pinnacle's weekly NFL predictions article, and NCAA college football predictions. So for Eric Eager, at Eric Eager underscore Twitter, Ben Brown, at PFF underscore Ben Brown. This has been the Pinnacle NFL Insights Podcast.